0: Welcome to the Mission Matters podcast, celebrating the people and initiatives that embodied the Jesuit tradition of St. Louis University. Celebrating what matters and the 200 year old plus mission that is St. Louis U. Brought to you from the Office of Mission and Identity.
1: Years ago, when I was on a flight, I found myself sitting next to a pilot who was just making his way home after getting off his scheduled flights. And we got to talking a little bit. He looked at me and he said, you're a person of faith, I'm a person of faith, and I want to teach you something that I've learned as a pilot. He said, there's only two moments in any flight when you are 100% on course for your destination. And those two moments are right before you have wheels up when you're departing, and right after you have wheels down upon your arrival. Everything else in between, you're not 100% on course. And the reason for that is because you have to be able to respond to the conditions around you, weather, impediments, anything that's around you that might change the course of your flight path. You have to be able to respond to those. If you try to keep 100% on course In the flight, you will be putting yourself and your passengers in danger. As he and I continue to talk, we realize that this is the perfect parable for what it means to live as people of faith, what it means to live as people on a journey. Sometimes, as we make our way through this life, what feels like being off course is simply us responding to the circumstances and environment around us. We will get to the point where we are 100% on track again, but maybe it would do us well to not be so hard on ourselves for not being 100% all the time. So welcome back to Mission Matters, uh, the podcast out of the Office of Mission and Identity. I am happy to have with me here today Eric Anderson, whose title currently is the Interim Assistant Vice President for Student Well-Being. Is that correct?
0: That's correct. All right, welcome, Eric. Nice to
1: have you here. Good to be here. Talk to us a little bit about what your role is, what division it sits in, and whatever you'd like to tell us about how things are going.
0: So, the position that I'm currently in is a new position for our division. It is one of the assistant vice president positions. We also have a dean of students, and we also Currently, are on a search for the assistant vice president for DPS, and so this position uh, came into being uh, after Sarah Cunningham, our new vice president for student development, came in February. And as she was kind of looking at the landscape and things that we do, and certainly the priority of of student well being, this position really is an interim piece for me to kind of pull teams together that um, serve that student health and wellness piece. I mean, really, when you say well-being, it can be very broad. Mm -hmm. And certainly, we're all a part of student well-being. But specifically, this position oversees the University Counseling Center, as well as the Student Health Center, and then Campus Recreation and Wellness, which that wellness piece is our health promotion and education team. So kind of on that upstream prevention and with the team there. So Um, That's kind of where we sit in the division. And I think, you know, my primary role is certainly working with those teams, helping them to serve our students in various capacities. Some of those are clinical in nature. Uh, Some of those are educational. They collaborate with various departments within the division, but also um, across the university as well. So this fall, the provost, Mike Lewis, uh, announced a task force, On uh, student well-being. And so I'm also co-chairing that task force uh, with Ellen Barnett, who's in the School for Public Health and Social Justice. She's amazing. And um, so Ellen and I co-chair that task force, and there are about 30 folks on that task force. It includes students, it includes uh, faculty, uh, staff, administrators, um, clinicians. And so the goal of that task force is to really look at our current ecosystem for student well-being and create kind of a strategic roadmap for the institution um, or a way forward. And that report is due to the provost uh, in the spring semester. Okay. So, yeah, this fall semester we've been uh, learning and listening as a group. And so uh, doing a lot of common readings, looking at assessment that we have as an institution around student wellness or well-being, And also beginning to listen to like our community, folks that would be impacted and have a voice uh, at stake and really looking at things that both um, positively impact our well-being ecosystem, but also uh, maybe some challenges, whether those are structures, policies, things like that. So it's been fun. Uh, We've had uh, two meetings so far. We've got two more in the fall, and uh, we're really beginning to collect and organize some themes, and uh, that's going to inform our writing and our work as we move into the spring.
1: So I'm hearing two things. I'm hearing um, in one vein that the whole division is taking a holistic approach, mind, body, spirit, that you're trying to reach the students with.
0: Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Um, I think the current trend does tend to be this concept of well-being I think it used to be called wellness, and some people might describe it as health, right? Some of the best definitions I've seen, you know, health would be um, the ultimate goal, right? And wellness is sort of the process that each of us get there to that optimal level of health. And then well-being, as I understand it, becomes a little more broader than just the person. Mm-hmm. Uh it includes like mm-hmm. all people, right? Our community. And so then you get into um structures and policies, maybe even the built environment, um, understanding health equity and disparities that might be there. Sure. Because the thought is you can't lift the entire community well being, um, if you have members of their community that, you know, are not experiencing equity in right. that piece. So I would say well-being to me is more holistic as a term. So, um, and I love the mind, body, spirit. I consider that fairly holistic myself. Mm -hmm. And I think folks would maybe define each of those differently. Sure. You know, in in terms of personally, what drives them, what feeds them, what makes them whole, right? Mm -hmm. And I I think that's important because each of us is different. So yes, that concept of cura personalis, right?
1: Exactly. And- in my experience, when one of those branches is out of whack, the whole thing is out of whack, right? Because we are one whole. So the personnel personalis doesn't just address one, obviously. It addresses the whole person. I love that. I love that.
0: It's so true. And I, I think the other words and concepts that you'll see out there is certainly flourishing, uh, resiliency, this is maybe a little pessimistic, but this is this is reality. Each of us, you know, in this life, we're born and and we're going to experience a death, at least a physical death. And so, those are on either end of the spectrum. And I think as we go through our walk in life, we're all going to experience health or wellness or well being challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I think having arrows in our quiver, so to <laughs> speak, right? So having a toolkit having things that help to bring us back into balance is important for all of us and so I think you know particularly when we look at students this is a critical time for them because in many ways they're beginning to make a lot of decisions on their own um, about their own personal health and well-being and so we have a great opportunity to help them instill um, some of these arrows so to speak some of these these tools that they can utilize, and hopefully then they would carry those forward as they go out and into the world.
1: Yeah, it's really important work. So my second question is, as this task force has gathered and engaged in dialogue and conversation and listening, Mm -hmm. and I love that that you mentioned that intentionally, Mm -hmm. because sometimes I think we take that for granted. We come together on a task force and there's a task to do. But what you're describing the task is really about listening and responding well
0: it's correct, and I think it's being able to listen to as many f- people as we can, right, yeah, because as we kind of mentioned earlier, we all are uh, will experience um our wholeness or our well being differently, sure, and we'll all define it differently um and and again we're we're all at a different point, some of us may be flourishing at this moment where others may be really struggling. Um, and so I think it's important to, to hear that. The other thing that I would say, particularly as I think about it with students um, and that being the, the primary focus of the task force, while, like you said, there's going to be some natural overlap into the, the staff and faculty and employee realm as well. But students don't necessarily always speak our language. <laughs> and so I think it's important to understand what resonates with them. Mm-hmm. Um, when when they think about this, what does it look like for them? And so I think the better we can understand that, I think we're going to have a better opportunity to connect them with resources in ways that um, support them more more fully.
1: Boy, is that a great point. And I think anybody listening would Absolutely be nodding your head saying, yeah, it's a different language. (laughs) See that all over the place, right? So true. (laughs) Okay, so my second question here is, in this task force, as you're really engaging in, in that process with one another, are you finding that the things that you're hearing specifically from the students are surprising? Are they about what you expected? Or what do you see as the most pressing needs right now for our SLU students?
0: You know, certainly with uh, the fall that we've had, uh, losing two students, uh, the mental mental health and well being piece has been uh, very much at the forefront, and that's been a topic and uh, a focus area, you know, for students. And and when you do start to peel away things with that, you do also realize that our physical health comes into play there as well mm-hmm. um, or our spiritual health and, and well-being so as you said earlier you know that has to me been one of the primary conversation pieces mm-hmm. um, but it it doesn't sit alone by itself right sure. there's other other pieces with it and I would say one thing that I really love about our students is that you know they they have ideas they have thoughts. They they are willing to roll up their sleeves and work alongside of us, which is incredible. When I think about that and even where I was at personally at their age, I'm mm-hmm. like, gosh, you guys are really embarrassing me. <laughs> <laughs> you are so much further along in your maturity and than, than I was at that age. So, yeah, that's been really neat. So just really trying to listen. And, again, it's a perspective that – you know, certainly I don't live, right? I don't live that student perspective anymore. And so I think it's really important to get that. So we've been, we've been taking, you know, notes on that. And we've, we have some things that we're working on. Um, And I think that's the, the challenge of it, right, is there continues to be things that are happening, right, to move us forward in, in these areas. Um, While at the same time, you have this task force work that's going on that's, a little bit more broad, mm-hmm. and likely will be pretty broad coming out, because we want to have something that the entire institution can be part of, right, sure. and can can feel like, I understand this piece, and, and I can see this in my work, and um, this is how we could carry that forward, so.
1: It just seems like such such an enormous set of needs, and I'm guessing that it often might feel like you don't that you need more resources than we have available. And that's not a criticism of anybody or anything. That's just kind of a recognition of how great the need is right now. I wonder, so for for people who are listening, who are either faculty or staff here at SLU, do you have any, like, little tidbits of, you know, this this is a good way to think about this, or maybe you could consider X, sorry, anything like that that might be helpful or beneficial. Mm-hmm. I know I'm putting you on the spot with that one.
0: No, that's okay. And I and I think just to clarify in terms of the way that they can impact students or the way that they manage their own health and well-being.
1: I was thinking more along the way they impact students.
0: So I think, you know, we c- it, it can be big, it can be complex, um, and it can be overwhelming at times. But I think just the little things can make all the difference in the world sometimes. You know, one of the things that we're doing as a task force is we're opening each meeting with some sort of well-being work, right? So in our last meeting, Amrita, who's a member of our team, she led us in some breath work Mm -hmm. to allow us to kind of center. At the end of the first meeting, we sent the group out with a task, with a charge to say, Someone out there needs to hear from you right now, and God is putting someone on your heart as these words are coming out of my mouth, and you need to reach out to them. There's something that you need to say. There's something that they need to hear from you, so I think as big as it can be, there's things that each of us can do for one another each day and also for ourselves each day, um, that can be small, but those small things really lead up to to bigger things. The other piece I would say, you know, we certainly we talked about this earlier uh, off the air. you know, we're 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 just still in this pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. we're We're at a different point in the pandemic, which is certainly better than where we were a year ago. Um, and I think as as an administrator, as a staff member, there are days that I can easily be at my computer all day um, just plugging away, trying to knock things out, which is great. That is a, a part of, of, of the role. But, you know, some of my best days are those times where I'm up and I'm out and I'm around people. I'm around students. I'm around other colleagues. And I do think the opportunity to be back on campus, certainly things are still hybrid in many ways, But I think having the ability to be together with one another again more closely um, is a really a a big move in the right direction for all of us because the isolation um, of COVID uh, has, has taken a toll, I think, on all of us.
1: Absolutely. You know, I have this weird thought as you're talking. So, you know, when someone you love deeply or care about deeply is distant from you geographically. So... You have a family member, a friend, or someone who lives far away. You can feel connected to them in your spirit, right, Mm -hmm. or in your mind. So the spirit connection is one thing, but it doesn't replace at all what it's like to be in the actual presence of that person. So actually having the bodily presence of that person makes a huge difference, And then if your spirit and your physical presence are together, but your mind isn't there, (laughs) that gets annoying. So it's just kind of this overall picture that the mind-body-spirit connection, what you're describing in terms of the value of being together on campus in person, cannot be understated. We know that, right? We know that instinctually, but I think to actually hear one another say it and recognize it is another thing. And I also love what you're describing in terms of the little things and how they're not little. Right. They're just not little. Even something as simple as making eye contact with someone as you're walking across the quad. (laughs) It's rare. Yes. You know, anybody listening, you know, as you're walking across the quad and the golf carts are going by and the students are going by, eye contact is a difficult thing. And so just something as simple as that, I just think there's a lot to that.
0: Yeah, there really is. And I think with us, you know, all of us being uh, more integrated with technology and certainly in our phones, you know, we're, we're checking them constantly. And so I, I don't want to be one of those that harps on technology because there's so many great things that, that come from technology and where we are and just the immense power that we have even at our fingertips with our phone. Right. Right. But I know for me, even personally, that is something that many of us do struggle with. How do we use it in ways that's really helpful? And then how do we balance our time away from it as well? You know, so I think that's, uh, that's something that even as an adult I'm challenged with, and, and I know many of our young people are as well.
1: Right, because it's one thing to be wasting time on your phone, you know, mm-hmm. surfing. The, but it's another thing when, like <laughs> driving home from work last night, from the time I left the office to the time I walked into my, my place, there were 19 emails that came through. (laughs) Yes. Uh, You know, so it's like, it's one thing to say I'm distracted on my phone because I'm wasting time or, you know, but it's another thing to say we're always connected to that demand for our time and attention and work. We could be working all the time if we're not careful.
0: (laughs) That's true. And and again, as we continue to Think about, you know, work roles, right? And uh, more of a hybrid setting. And, you know, there may be things that we, we come through the pandemic that can be helpful, right? But again, proximity is helpful at times as well. So rather than having to send an email, you know, you bounce across the hallway and work through something in a, in a quick five-minute conversation um, that otherwise could be maybe 20 emails back and forth. Right. So, yeah, it's a very interesting time we're living in for yeah. sure.
1: So... Given all that we've talked about that is stressful and demanding and and weighty, Mm -hmm. what are the things in your work that inspire you or motivate you or energize you?
0: You know, I've been in this area for all of my career, actually. I I came to SLU as a wellness coordinator uh, over, over 20 years ago. Wow. And before that, I was doing... More corporate health and wellness work. Um, so, with employees. Um, and so, I, I mean, I obviously have a passion for it. It's something that inspires me. We're we are all, we have this um, blip in time. We're all here. We're, we're living out um, our time on earth. And I think helping people live that out in the most healthy, positive, well, way is a great place to be and I'll be the first to say I am not perfect when it comes to my own personal wellness I have areas that I struggle with as well I need to eat more vegetables I'm not gonna (laughs) lie (laughs) I'm okay on the fruit end but but it is a you know it's not a sprint it's a marathon and and we're uh, walking that and I just think uh, being able to really I do love the term flourish being able to give folks the opportunity to flourish, um, I think, is a, is a wonderful, wonderful gift. So I enjoy doing it, and uh, that's probably what inspires me every day.
1: Sure. Even what you're describing are the one-on-one connections that you're seeing. Like flourishing sometimes happens in a community, and that's fantastic. But more often than not, it's in isolated moments or specific encounters that you witness it, right? Or attitudes, I guess, as well.
0: Yeah, and I think many moons ago, I was a a university 101 instructor, so first year uh, seminar class for students. And I did that for a number of years. Great opportunity to be in the classroom with students. And one of the things that we used to do as a class was um, this values exercise. And so it gave students the opportunity to, um, well, number one, define their values, right, and reflect on those, which I think is important. But then also from there, we took that out into um, a time management exercise where we looked at our 168 hours in a week, right, and how we use that. Um, And so writing down exactly how we spent our time and then allowing students to reflect on that and say, is the way that you're spending your time reflective of your values? And if it's not, why is that? You know, is is this maybe not a value for you? Or do you need to reprioritize? And so I think it was a really good exercise. It's a good exercise for me. I also think it's something that each of us need to continue to do throughout our lives because, you know, certain time frames in your life, um, certain values will rise to the top, I think. But I think it really gets at an intentional way of living. And so I think when we are living in a way that's aligned with our values, uh, we are naturally more well. We are more whole. And so I think that was just one thing that when you think about it, it's, it's not about saying you need to go and do three times a week of strength training. But I think it takes the conversation a bit broader. And I think those are things that can really motivate change in individuals. And I think that is part of of being reflective as well, which I think is an important part of what we're trying to teach students here at SLU. Reflecting on my values, reflecting on my actions, really even reflecting on my gifts, and then how do I spend my time uh, to align those?
1: I believe that's a perfect commercial for the daily examen. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> the power of reflection. Yeah. So true. But also, like, I, I think I might try to carve out some time to do that little exercise you just described. You know, What are your values? And then how do you spend your time? That is a really striking question.
0: Yeah, I am a went to the old Franklin Covey time management seminar many years ago.
1: That's a um, language that the young people won't recognize. No,
0: <laughs> but when you, you know, again, when you start prioritizing your tasks, even for the day and then the way that you're spending your time. That's kind of a piece of that, but I'll I'll send you that values exercise. You can do it. It's it's fun.
1: Yeah, that'd be great. Have you heard the parable of the rocks and the, the rocks yes, and the stones? Absolutely. So it, that's what it reminds me of. That's you exactly know. right. What do you put in first?
0: Yep, not the small stuff. Right. Got to put the big stuff in first. Right. Otherwise, it won't fit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's so easy when you talk about it. It's just hard to live.
0: Yes, it's definitely hard to walk that out. Um, and and I think it's just. Uh, part of our human struggle at times.
1: Yeah. Well, this is an obvious question from where I sit. So the mission of SLU is, and I quote, the pursuit of truth for the greater glory of God and for the service of humanity to form men and women for others, unquote. It seems obvious to me how you and your team are living out that mission. Does it seem obvious to you?
0: (laughs) It does. Yeah. Uh, that's one of the things for me that's been, I think, a reason that I've, I've been at SLU as long as I've have. It, you know, the mission has been not only important to me, but I, it's become a part of me. And I think even if I wasn't here, there'd be a part of that mission that went, went forward with me. So my uh, verse of the day, mm-hmm. which is well known to many people, and it's from Micah. He has told you, oh oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. And so, you know, this is this is a well known verse. Um, and I've seen it even around here at SLU with certain organizations and that. But I think it's an approach and a way to living. And I think uh, you know, when you said that it just oh yeah. I read I read this mission this morning, just in a different way from Micah.
1: So I should tell you what the verse was that I read this morning, Okay, because I also start my day off um, with scriptures. And today was the story of Lot. Ah. And actually, it was Jesus saying, remember the wife of Lot. Hmm. And that's an interesting story. I had to go back and recall that. And Lot was being called away from the destruction and being led away from the destruction and his wife turned to look back and you know, became a pillar of salt, as yeah. the scripture says. And as I was thinking about that, or have been thinking about that all morning, when we are being led away from that which is destructive, or violent, or painful, or difficult, when we're being led in a different direction, and we turn back, which is inevitable at times, right? We're always going to look back with regret or with anger or with something. But when we look back, it paralyzes us, and it gets us stuck sometimes. So that was the lesson I took. We're being called away from the destruction. I love that. Yes,
0: absolutely.
1: So it's interesting. We both had little moments this morning. That's right. (laughs) Well, is there anything else that you feel like the SLU community needs to be hearing?
0: You know, I think we all need to be hearing that we don't need to be perfect. To be able to give ourselves a little grace, um, you know, whether it's your pursuit of your own health and wellness, just being okay with making mistakes sometimes. I think, you know, some of my greatest learning moments in life have come out of uh, mistakes that I've made and um, things that I would probably do differently now but I think those are real teachable moments and I think God uses those to help continue to to shape us so yeah I just think give yourself a break don't take life too seriously and just take an opportunity to connect with others whenever you can because I think that's going to continue to uh, help us all heal as we come through the pandemic.
1: Very good advice <laughs> as we wrap this up. Mm. So reach out and cut yourself a break. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, Eric, thank you so much for taking the time today to uh, spend with us and to help the SLU community recognize and understand all that you and the entire division are doing. Thank you so much for being here.
0: I'm happy to be here. Thank you for the time.
1: And for those who are listening, We are on social media, so please follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Also, if you have not clicked on as a subscriber to this podcast, please make sure you do that. And if you know of a colleague who is living the mission quietly but out loud, but seems to be hidden in plain sight, please contact us in the Office of Mission and Identity so we can help spotlight what they do. And until next time, let's remember, especially in this Ignatian year, that we are one SLU, where the mission matters. This is Virginia Herbers from the Office of Mission and Identity. Until next time. You can engage the mission intentionally here at SLU, and you can encounter it randomly. But good luck graduating without ever touching it in some way. God bless everyone.